Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. Uh, you know, this morning's message is called Your Dream Suit. And your dream suit is very much uh, based around that thing which burns inside of your heart. And, you know, over the years, I've, I've had a number of suits. The first suit I bought was uh, for my wedding. It was a 1980s uh, Top Man classic suit. Good for the first couple of wears and thereafter. It's kind of, it, was, it was too cheap to be in, you know, have any kind of great longevity to it. And, uh, uh, and so it was kind of, you know, we, we buy suits um, according to our budget, don't we? And, uh, and uh, we, we buy, but the thing is, when your budget isn't great, you buy a cheap suit and you're just praying it looks like an expensive one. <laughs> and uh, and you, you think, oh, no, this is all right. This is all right. It, it's okay. But you know that after maybe a year or so, that really it doesn't have a, you know, it's, it's not really worn that well and it's got a bit baggy in the knees and the jacket just doesn't sit on you like it should. And, and uh, so, you know... You, I've had a number of those suits over the years, and uh, actually, um, uh, in the 19, uh, when we first moved up here, I bought a double-breasted uh, suit. It was a, it was a little bit sort of dated. I, I thought it was a smart thing to do, but I, I, I looked like um, somebody who was trading in gold and diamonds on the black market. <laughs> And uh, I just looked seriously dodgy, and, and uh, it was a sort of a grey suit with a... It was a uh, it was grey, sort of checkered. It sounds dreadful. Double-breasted, and uh, I had, like, a, a gold pin that ran across the tie, and, and uh, it was a, the collars were a little broad, too broad, I think, and uh, I never really had much style in those days. And, and so, but over the years, you, you, you look for a great suit, and you look for a suit that really you just want to put on. My grandfather used to be an amazing tailor, and um, he left behind uh, a number of beautiful suits and um, uh, mainly jackets obviously he would make he made his suits for himself and they were beautifully fitted they fitted him wonderfully and I I inherited some of them just because I love them so much but he was a broader man than me a similar height but but um, quite a bit broader and so they they kind of sat on me like a sack of potatoes and I, I kind of would put them on and go this is so beautifully made but it didn't really fit me properly and, and so it wasn't really the dream suit that I wanted it to be. I, I looked a bit desperate <laughs> and uh, so... I, uh, I, I, so I bought a number of suits, and actually a couple of years ago, Cheryl had instructed me I needed to get a suit. I think it was actually, we had a few events, I, we had a wedding I had, we had to go to, and I had 90 minutes to go and buy a suit. And um, I had 200 pounds in my pocket, which is, is, you know, you should be able to get something for that. Uh, in Primark, you could do that and go for lunch, couldn't you? And... <laughs> And uh, so I'm, I'm going and uh, I'm running around. I've got 90 minutes and I don't like the pressure of buying a suit under that kind of pressure. It just, you know that it's going to go horribly wrong. <laughs> and uh, so I'm running around. I go into Next and I don't like Next suits. I, I kind of feel like I'm preparing for my next court appearance if I'm wearing a Next suit. <laughs> and uh, so I don't go to court that often. And uh, <laughs> so... <laughs> 
I, I, I run around and I'm just looking at these neck suits and I, oh, I don't like that. And Top Man, oh, it's the same thing. And, and, uh, and, so, and then I just think, I'm going in Hugo Boss. I'm just going to go in there. And I'm looking at the price tags. Six hundred dollars down. Yeah. <laughs> Can I help you? No, I'm just browsing. <laughs> 70 pounds for a belt? A belt! <laughs> I'm just looking around and I see this suit and then I see the sales section tucked away in the back where they're disapproving of all the customers. <laughs> oh, you just want the sale price, do you? You're cheap. <laughs> and uh, so I walk in and I see it and there's a suit and it's my size. And it's a third of the price. It's only 200 pounds. And I've got 200. I get it. And I put the jacket on. I went, oh, <laughs> I've come home. <laughs> it, was, it was my dream suit. It just fitted me beautifully. I gave him the cash and I ran out there quick before he sold me a pair of socks and bankrupted me. <laughs> <laughs> my Hugo Boss is my dream suit. It just... It's like it fits me. It, it, I feel good in it. And uh, I, I put it on for those special occasions, like when I'm taking Cheryl to McDonald's. And, uh, <laughs> and just those special moments, you know. And, and so these are all, the, these are all the, the things that we have a suit for, a dream suit. But you know, in the Bible, Joseph was given a dream suit. In, in Genesis chapter 37 and verse, verse 2, it says this, is the history of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers. And the lad was with the sons of Bileam, sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report to them, of them to his father, because he was a little snot. It doesn't say that in the Bible. I added that. It's the Kevin Upton version. It's not very polite, but I think that's probably what he was. He was a bit of a snitch. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors. When his brothers saw that his father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now, Joseph had a dream and he told it to his brothers and they hated him even more. So he said to them, please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There we were, binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheep arose and also stood upright. And indeed, your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheep. And his brother said to him, shall indeed, shall you indeed reign over us or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. And he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, look, I've dreamed another dream. And at this time, the sun, the moon and the 11 stars bowed down to me. So he told it to his father and his brothers and his father rebuked him and said to him, what is this dream that you've dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. You know, Joseph's coat is a, a physical representation of his dream. It's a, it, it represents, it's his dream suit. In his suit, in this suit of his, he's dreaming. Because when he's put his suit on, he starts to dream. And Joseph, when he's 17 years of age, we understand him as a man of extraordinary character. 
But we've seen here that Joseph was prepared to bring a bad report of his brothers. I want you to know that anyone who brings a bad report is not really a very pleasant person. Particularly of your brothers. It's like, Dad, do you know what they were doing? They were kicking the sheep. <laughs> they were kicking, they would play football with one of them. There was a poor little thing, they're kicking it. And uh, so it's like he brought a bad report. I, I want you to understand that, that, you know, there's no such thing in the kingdom of God as a bad report. There is a, po- a report that comes from Christ. What does Christ re- say to the father of us? He only brings a good report. Now, he could bring a bad report because the bad report would be truthful. Jesus does not tell the truth to the Father. It's true, isn't it? He tells the truth of what he has done for us to the Father. And that is the report that gets to him. That is the report. That's how the Father receives us. Jesus knows what we have done, but he has since cast it as far as the east is from the west. And so the report of who we really are is never reported. (laughs) We we got a a happy person. (laughs) You know, we got to understand that Jesus Christ gives you a good report. And so Joseph is not representing the nature and the kingdom of God. He's not walking in an honorable way. He doesn't have to bring a a bad report. He just has to be full of grace to find a way of bringing an encouraging report or a way which enables his brother to not be be, uh, discounted. When we speak negatively, when we undermine others, we only do, it, do so for the benefit of ourselves so that either we look good or either, so that we either look good in, in, in the eyes of others to diminish them or we do so because we're feeling bad about ourselves and if we can bring everyone to an equal place of down in the dirt, then that makes it fair. That's why we naturally speak negatively of others. But God hasn't... Uh, called us to speak badly of others. He's called us to speak well of even those who are not worthy of speaking well of. Why? Because his grace is available for everyone. And so there is a good report that is spoken over each person. And Joseph, at this point, 17 years of age, call a God upon his life, something burning on the inside, but he's carrying these two lifestyles within his life and and that's the amazing thing about the grace of God upon your life you can be touched by God's grace and carrying his vision and dreams in the heart the same time you've yet to relinquish a lifestyle which could destroy you and so Joseph is given a coat where he starts to dream and the dream causes him to see his vision to see his destiny And not that he understands it. It says in Romans 13, it says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 13 verse 14. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. You see what Christ has done for us is he's enabled us that we might put him on. Cheryl was speaking 
as she took over worship about we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit fills us and Jesus Christ clothes us. We're filled on the inside with Christ and with the Holy Spirit, but we are clothed on the outside with Jesus Christ. Why? Because on the inside you need the power of the Holy Spirit, his wisdom and his life to take you forward. But on the outside we bring Christ to the world. It's what the outside sees is what you're wearing. They never know what's on the inside of you. James was speaking last Sunday morning about his suit that he had to wear when he started engineering. He, he said he wore a tight suit. I don't like the sound of that, James, under any circumstances. It makes me feel rather sick, yeah, and uh, just saying those words. But James, when he started engineering, now the thing was with James that he was an engineer in qualification And in practice, so he's got a job. On the inside, he's an engineer, but until he wears a suit, he can't practice his engineering because it's inappropriate otherwise. A suit is to wear what is appropriate. And to wear a suit at work was appropriate. So he's an engineer on the outside, inside, but you can be filled with the Holy Spirit on the inside, but unless you put on Christ full of his grace and mercy, love and acceptance of others... You are inappropriate for the circumstances around you. And so we need to understand that to put on a dream suit, the dream suit is the suit of Christ calling upon your life that takes you into a place where you're walking in your purpose and destiny, you're touching the lives of others, and you're finding that place of inspiration where you know you're walking in obedience. Are you with me here? It's your dream suit. It's the suit of the purpose, your destiny on the inside of your life. You know, Joseph, um, Joseph had two pit stops. I, I thought that was clever. And uh, he did, he had two pit stops. Joseph was thrown in a pit by his brothers. And then he ended up in jail. Something about your dream suit. As I'm speaking about purpose, destiny, call of God, every Christian understands that hope. We understand the hope of your call of God, fill me with your power. Lead me into a place of destiny. When Cheryl and I dreamed of coming to Scotland, of planning a church, of seeing God touch hundreds of people's lives, of seeing churches planted across Scotland, and uh, we dreamed of these things in our heart, all right? When we dreamed of it, we only saw God's glory and wonder and good things happening. We never saw the bad. Never saw the bad. God never even told us about the bad things. He never mentioned it. He just kept them. But we've suffered many bad. We've fallen into many pits. But here's the thing about the dream suit that you put on. The dream suit would lead you to a pit. But it's in the pit that will make you. And lead you into a place of destiny. You've got to go to the pit. Joseph had to go to a pit. We we know that Joseph was a little snitch. Call a God on his life but a snitch. Doesn't really go. Call on the inside, outside. Just not really behaving appropriately. Just not appropriate. He was put in a pit. It's in the pit It's after that moment we see Joseph as we understand him today. 
It's after that moment, something happened in that pit where Joseph realized that who he was on the inside must respond to who he is on the outside. That he's got to live the nature of God and not just have it on the inside. That he's got to be honest on the outside as well as the call on the inside. But you've got to go through a pit. You've got to go through those dark moments. He he was beaten. He was tied up. He was thrown into a pit. He was left for dead and then eventually sold on into slavery. All of those moments are disasters for his life. God, you said that the sheaves will bow down to me. This is not adding up to your prophetic word. I never saw this in the dream. Now, there's a reason he doesn't let you dream those dreams. We would run away. (laughs) We'd never volunteer. If I'd known about some of the things that we would go through in Aberdeen for the call of God, I would not be here. (laughs) You don't volunteer for that stuff. Hello? You just don't volunteer for the heartache and the tears. But here's the thing. It's the heartache and the tears from the dream that called you there that will enable you to get to where he's called you to be. You know, you come into a place of heartache, you come into a place of sorrow, and it leads you on into a place of breakthrough. And I need you to understand that God wants you to know that he is working something significant in your life, but you've got to allow Christ to clothe you with the suit that he's got for your life. Um, that's Chaz is your name, isn't it? Chaz, my son-in-law, I, I forget from time to time. And uh, <laughs> Chaz was speaking about the mantle on Sunday night, the mantle that came from Elijah to Elisha. And Elisha had a mantle. Elijah threw a mantle, his mantle, and his mantle was the suit, it was the cloak that came from Elijah and went to Elisha. And Elisha carried that mantle and it empowered him eventually to step into a double anointing of Elijah. Elisha did twice what Elijah did. He did twice because he inherited the mantle from Elijah and it became his. Every house has a mantle. Every call of God has a mantle. And I remember when Cheryl and I were called into ministry We were just small town people. We had big dream on the inside, but we hadn't traveled, hadn't even flown in a plane. It's, uh, (laughs) we just, we just hadn't been anywhere. And we had big dreams, but we hadn't experienced, but we put on the mantle and it enabled us. We put on the suit of the call of God upon our lives. We enabled it to touch our lives. But here's the thing. Genesis, I want to read this to you. Genesis 39, verse 2. It says, And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him, and he made him overseer of his house, and all that he had put into his hand. 
So Joseph prospered. But you've got to understand this, that the call of God on your life isn't measured by prospering or cursing. It's not measured by blessing or cursing. It's not measured by those things. You could be, oh, I'm going through a terrible time. Maybe I'm not obeying God. It doesn't really work like that. And God isn't judging you. He's not cursing you. He didn't make you sick. He's not punishing you because he doesn't do that. That's not how he works. God is a God of grace that leads us, disciples us. He prunes us, but he blesses us. It's a, it's a blessing um, gospel, not a cursing one. Are you with me here? So our life is, sometimes our life is cursed. But on the flip side, when you're blessed, you can take that as a sign that God is with me. But Joseph was on a journey into Pharaoh's house. He just didn't know it. He got to Potiphar's house and he didn't realize that Potiphar's house wasn't the place where he was called to be because it was a great place. There are moments in your life when your life is happy and there are moments in your life when your life is, is, is going through hard times. Neither of those are signs of whether you're obeying God or not. Your obedience of putting on the suit of what God has got for your life is determined in your worship as you come back to Christ and you put on Christ. It's not measured by whether the circumstances around you are going well or going bad. Because Joseph was in Potiphar's house soon to discover that that was the worst place to be in natural measurements. In other words, it doesn't seem right. It seems good and then it's robbed away. Why? Because all it was was a transitional place moving into the call that was truly upon him. You've got to understand that we're all in transitional process. God is moving you. He's building your life and leading you into a place where you're called to serve him. You see, your life is measured by the momentum of God ministering through you. Your life is measured by the momentum of God ministering through you, not by the things that happen to you. You understand that? Your life is measured by those things. We cannot, we, we were having, a, James and I were having a discussion in the week. Uh, he had gone to a seminar and uh, a very, one of these sort of business people were doing a lecture on, on making money by selling properties. And, and they, this, these women, you correct me if I'm wrong, but said something about we are 100% responsible that everything that happens to us. Is that that's what she said? It was pretty much what she said, 100% responsible. And James is there, a number of people there are going, well, I don't really think that's true. I think there are things that can happen to us that we don't have any sort of say over. Here's the thing. It really doesn't matter what is happening to us. What matters is what's happening through us. What matters is what's happening through us. What you put on determines what you do. You put on misery in the morning and you're going to be miserable. It will determine what you do. You put on a a serving heart 
you will be a servant in the house of God. You will be a servant to the lives of those people who are around you. Determines what you do. We've got to understand that that our heart is affected by the decisions that we make around our life. In Genesis 26, we read about uh, Jacob and Esau, Joseph's father and his uncle, Esau. And Jacob and Esau were living this life where they were called into a place of blessing. They're living uh, under Isaac and they have this incredibly blessed life. Isaac is a prosperous man. And Esau, the oldest, carries the suit of inheritance, the right, the birthright. But Esau loved hanging out with the boys, hunting, killing deer, eating it, coming home. It's that kind of just, that kind of lifestyle. I understand that. It's fun going out in the field. We've got men's cabinet. We're going to do man stuff. We're going we're gonna to get B.O. That's, I'm sorry, ladies, but, but we'll shower before we come home. <laughs> right, but this is what, so, so Esau was a man of the field. He loved to get out. He loved to hang out. But he comes back to jo, um, Jacob, uh, and he's hungry. And it says in Genesis 26 and verse 30, and Esau said to Jacob, please feed me that the same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore his name was called Edom. But Jacob said to me, sell me your birthright as of this day. And Esau said, look, I'm about to die. It's probably not true, right? He probably wasn't about to die. If he was about to die, I'm pretty sure Jacob would be feeding him, right? (laughs) Jacob said, look, I'm about to die. So what is this birthright to me? Then Jacob said, swear to me, as of this day, so he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank and arose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Here's the thing. You can live in the church, live in the benefits of the church, live off the benefits of the church. You can come every day. We don't mind who you are. We don't have any judgment of where you've come from or what's gone on in your life. We want you to know that God loves you and he's got a call of God for your life. But here's the the deal. If you want the benefit of it, if you want it to touch your life and change you, you've got to understand you can't treat it with contempt the way Esau did. Esau just wanted the benefit, but he didn't want the responsibility. So he sold his birthright and despised it. If you want the benefit, but you don't want the responsibility, eventually you despise the thing that has been a blessing to you. And what happens in the house is that so often, here's how do you know that you're despising it? You're offended with the person next to you. You're offended with your home group leader. You're offended by the worship. Something's annoying you. You don't like the coffee. I know, Heidi, I know. There are people who don't like the coffee. (laughs) We've got them in our little red book. (laughs) I'm talking to God about them. Yeah, there's the book. There's the book, people. If you don't like the coffee, there's the book. (laughs) 
You get offended. When you get offended in your heart, you know what you're doing? You, you're living off the benefits of the house, yeah. but you've despised the birthright. Wow. Yeah. Ouch. What are we here to do? Take responsibility for it. Why? Because your call wasn't to come and be blessed, come and be served, be spoon-fed with you little Christian is a nice little food. I'm going to feed you, James, and you've got to eat this scripture. I'm going to feed you. I'm not here to feed you. I'm here to show you where the food is. You're big enough to feed yourself. Understand me? You're big enough to feed yourself. The house is here to teach you to be a disciple because your suit is to be a dream suit, which is to be a blessing to others. We are here to touch the lives of others, and that's called responsibility. It's called carrying the weight of the call of God upon your life. It's understanding, as Jacob soon discovered as it was to be, as he as he worked that, that angle of getting that birthright. Even as I read the scripture now, we know that God was all over that, but it still looks a dodgy deal to me. The whole process just is dodgy, but, but somehow Jacob got the birthright into himself. Once he got the birthright, he discovered the responsibility of it, and he had to wrestle with the angel of the Lord, and it caused him to walk with a limp. And there is this man who has discovered the weight of responsibility upon his shoulders to carry the hope and calling of Israel so upon our lives is a weight and a burden of responsibility. But I want to tell you, if you put that suit on, the suit will begin to minister through you and you will be able, like Joseph, to be a blessing to the nation around you and touch people's lives. Joseph followed the dream of the suit and he carried it through. He just kept living it. He's in the jail and he's living it. He's being the man of integrity and honor. He discovered a lesson in that pit that if he is honorable and carries and just wears the suit of his calling, that God can do magnificent things through his life. Let me finish with this. It says in Romans chapter 3 and verse 5, he who overcomes... What's overcoming? It's not being, it's not submitting to the things of this world. It's not submitting to your heart, your attitude. Chaz said something significant on, Tuesday, on, on um, Sunday night. He said, Elisha turned in his head. I love that statement, Chaz. Elisha turned in his head. He went from being a farmer to a prophet, a wealthy businessman farmer, to a servant of a prophet. A significant drop in salary and status. Significant drop, but an incredible promotion for his life. Turned in his head, right? Overcoming is turning in your head. Turning in your head. It's making a change in your head. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. I want you to know that when you turn your heart toward Christ, you turn your decisions and the choices of your life, we are clothed with the very presence and the nature of Jesus Christ. His salvation will touch your life and you will begin to walk in a place of your calling and destiny.
I don't know how many pits you will have to go through. I don't know how many wars you will have to fight. I don't know how many times you'll have to cry on your pillow. But I know the grace of Jesus Christ will be there for you. The power of the Holy Spirit will be walking with you. There is a suit. There is a mantle upon this house. There is a suit that we wear together. When we're together, we put it on. We go, we are Junction Church, Aberdeen. We are family. This is who we are. It's a suit that's big enough for anyone to put on. Any new person in the door, you can put it on. You can size it up and spend time looking at it going, I don't really know whether I want to put that on or not. You can spend a lot of time weighing it up, but I encourage you, put on a suit, let it be a blessing to your life. Put it on. Walk in the call of God. Put on Christ and carry his purpose and destiny. Heavenly Father, I pray in this house that each one know. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.thejunctionchurch.com. God bless.